Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It's your Cape Crusader Cody, and we're keeping it geekly with our new guest. We have Ben Morse. We're here to break down We Are Scarlet Twilight issue four and everything in between. Ben, welcome to the stream. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is one heck of a story. I really, really loved it. We have a superhero who's also a vampire in the 1930s Manhattan setting, and it's an awesome combination of sci-fi and pulp adventure. Ben, I, I love this story. Uh, before we dive into it too much, though, let's begin with the basics of who you are and how you got into creating comics. So I'm, a, I'm an artist and writer. Uh, I always loved comics ever since I was a kid. Once I realized I was not going to be a baseball player, I, I pretty much decided that comics was going to be uh, what I did with my life. So I, <laughs> I'm a graphic designer and animator on the as for my day job, and I'm working on comics. Uh, hopefully, more and more moving to making that my full time uh, occupation. So, just been uh, chopping away at it uh, ever since I've ever since I've been a kid, really. Man, something about high school and sports, right? I was on the basketball team, always sat on the bench, and it was just heartbreaking not like getting that <laughs> shot like you thought you were going to. When you started creating comics, though, uh, what was some of your earlier like adventures into like sequential arts? Uh, I would do when I was really little. I would be just drawing Batman stories. I'd fold up bits of paper and just draw. You know, think I was going to do a comic in the day, uh, and I, I would trace old comics, things like that. As I got a little older into high school i was mostly consumed with learning painting learning the basics of drawing so i get into a good art school but i do kind of like fan fictiony comics on the side like star wars stuff and and that sort of thing and uh went through art school kind of learned the trade um and as soon as i got out i was always working on developing pitches that i would never quite finish up or or see through and when i'd send if they get rejected i kind of keep keep working away at them and it, yeah, you know, basically just been knocking on the door as far as comics are concerned ever since then. So I uh, was doing some kind of science fiction adventure, more of a sci-fi guy. So most of my stuff is a little bit inspired by that, but also a big superhero fan, which is, of course, how you get We Are Scroll of Twilight. So we are coming across the collection of issues one through four and a nice hardcover uh, bound book. Uh, can you give us a little bit about what We Are Scarlight Twi Twilight is about? Uh, I, I know I talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but um, uh, our protagonist, Captain uh, Lancet, is is an awesome, uh, awesome protagonist. Can we get a little bit about him as well? Yeah, so he is a two-fisted 1930s crime buster in Manhattan. Uh, he does have a dark secret. He's a vampire. So you find that out pretty early on in issue one. And as that story progresses, he gets a little bit over his head with his villains, uh, finds himself in a coma for over a hundred years. He wakes up, his villains uh, have all turned into vampires themselves and they're, they've taken over the entire world. So he's, he's vastly outnumbered. He's uh, stuck in a future he doesn't quite recognize and he's got to figure out a way to put the world right again. I love it. I love it. And we have some awesome uh, influences with this as well. You uh, touch upon the golden age of comics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, big way. Yeah. Big way for that. So what were some of your influences when creating this character design? Uh, that was, there's a lot of old comics I looked at um, in costume design. I, I was actually pretty lucky. The only character I think that I really looked at that I wanted to be like, there are elements of that uniform that I absolutely want to have in Captain Lancet was the Phantom. That's why he's got the two guns. That's why he's got the mask like he does uh, and the belt sort of thing. I wanted that, that silhouette seemed right to me, a superhero mm -hmm. with the, the sort of cap uh, mask thing and the two guns that felt 
almost like something you really only see from the Phantom and in it just really put it in the era. As far as the rest of the design went, I got really lucky. I was exploring a lot of different, basically looking at all the Golden Age comics I could find, looking at all the elements they had, be those like the silly big collars, the way the capes were drawn. <laughs> Sometimes like half the guys didn't have shirts or had like just shorts on, like Namor does. They were all weird and I was just mixing those up. Uh, I had this idea though that I wanted something about i'm a big fan of frank lloyd wright the architect he does these window patterns that are really cool art deco um you know designs i knew i wanted that to be in there somewhere and i was kind of thinking it would be if there was a bit of padding on the costume there would be a real faint design and i so i had this transparent layer of one of those window patterns in my my artboard and i accidentally cloned one and flipped it and they overlapped the, the each other and that gave me almost what captain lance's logo is that so is so that, cool that like design a little bit i wish i had taken a screenshot of that happenstance it wasn't exactly it but i was like there's something cool happening there i thought all right if this part's the logo if this part's the color behind it i throw some like piping in to give it like accents and it was pretty much there then so that was a pretty good stroke of luck i think because I, I was i was really hitting the wall in terms of you know, do they have the collar? Do they have like the jacket uh, sort of thing? The the puffy sleeves, any of that? Uh, and really not finding that any of that worked out when I came across that that design and kind of just fell out of the sky, I guess. Happy little accident, right? It's 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 awesome Absolutely. how they just overlapped and created that. Uh, real quick, we have our good friend uh, Ben Humanick from uh, Band of Bards. Uh, I'd love to know more about Ben's art process. What is a combination of references, the CGI models, and other tools that help him draw so well and consistently? Well, I don't know if it's that consistent, but I work on that a lot, actually. I feel like I need to be a lot more consistent, but I appreciate it. Uh, it depends on the, I usually will do, well, I'll, I'll break it down two ways because um, there's a lot of different situations. I think the best results I ever get uh, are if I have time, if I set up a, uh, a mannequin, which is to say uh, something just like those, be it in 3D or a photograph of a mannequin, where it's like almost like a skeleton with like a, a big block of wood that's the hand and a, a head-shaped block without features that is the uh, the head. Mm -hmm. If I set those up and use that as reference um, and I have to build it out myself mentally, those tend to be the best results I ever get. So that takes a little longer and it depends on the, you know, the complicated, how complicated the shot is uh, that I need. So ideally I do that when I have time to. Um, or if it's something like uh, you had a couple images up there that were like profiles um, without too much foreshortening, if it's something like that, I just make it up. That's not too that's not too hard to put together, and that's just based on it being faster. If it was faster to set something up for like a straight on headshot, I would do it. Um, I'm doing everything myself, and I, I pretty much think I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, so anything that I can speed up my workflow with, uh, I'll do. As far as backgrounds are concerned, uh, I'll set up SketchUp models or 3D um, scenes, uh, depending on the complexity of them. There's a lot of my backgrounds, if you look at, they're not really that three-dimensional. They're a pattern that I mm -hmm. like, that I treat completely two-dimensionally. And then I'll figure out where that would be in space and, and then kind of shade it based on that. Uh, if there's a building I use over and over again, I'll tend to get a model for that. And especially for things like um, there's a scene in issue two and three where they're stuck on a bridge and surrounded by enemies. For something like that, I'll set up a model, even if I'm not going to use it for the artwork, I'll use it to 
almost like I've set up a model on a table or something because I'm mm-hmm. I'm using it to keep track of like a like a basketball coach making up plays or something like that. Yeah. That's that's just it's not necessarily um, always about the art, although it's helpful for that and can speed things up. I'll use it to just keep track of the scene. Um, and, you know, so that's that's kind of where where I'm at with it is whatever is fastest. If there's a if there's a building that's almost a character unto itself, there's almost certainly a model I have of that. And I'll use that to, you know, not not always necessarily trace it or draw from it, but just to set it up and think about like, okay, I know what's in this scene. Does it look cool if I'm looking up here? Is it better if I'm looking down here? It's it's really part of my process in layouts to have. Um, and sometimes it can just be blocks in a you know Blender file mm-hmm. um, to figure out what would be a cool angle if I don't have a really strong image in my mind. So that's my uh, my not too clear but very drawn out answer. <laughs> is it's whatever's fastest and whatever gets the best results. Uh, no. Awesome question, Ben. Thank you so much. And and uh, Benjamin, like, holy crap. It's it's really remarkable to hear just how much goes into the creative process when you're working on this. I think right now would be a perfect segue. Let's head over to Zoo, pull up the campaign, and see what we're campaigning for today. So I, I am curious, uh, being the writer, the artist, and the letterer, do you, you, know, do you ever find it uh, challenging sometimes, like, when it's just you, like, getting hitting a wall? Not too much. Um... I, I think that there's there was a bit of a problem with my other book, August Purgatory Underground, and that I was mm-hmm. developing it for almost a decade. I've done a million versions of it, and it became a little hard for me to keep track of what I had established in each draft. Mm-hmm. So if I put it down for a few months, worked on something else, started over, I'd find myself in the middle of issue one, realizing that the audience doesn't know this thing about the character that I know because it was in the previous draft, but not in the current one. When it came to We Are Scarlet Twilight, it was not too hard to um, to really get at the story. Um, the elements kind of wrote the story themselves because I, I would just approach it like I was planning it more or less. I would take the elements I wanted to include, figure out the best resolution for each of their sort of mini stories within the larger story. And that kind of folded itself out pretty neatly. And as far as being the artist as well, there's, I, I have a hard time understanding how people don't write and draw their own comics in terms <laughs> of thinking about, well, how is this scene going to look? I mean, what's, what's it going to say about these characters to be in this place? How, how tall is the ceiling? What does that make the characters feel like? All those things are, are so linked in my writing process because I'm, I'm able to know that I'm going to be able to tell a lot of the story with visuals and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily have someone do or say something so I, I can't even imagine separating them and I, I think that's obviously something I'm pretty lucky to to be able to do because I can just think like all right here's here's some kernel of information I got to get across to you mm-hmm. do I do I draw that do I show it in the background do I show it in an awkward pause between the characters that when nobody says anything uh, I can kind of look at that and say is here's all the writing tools, here are all the art tools to accomplish that and figure out the best combination or, or, or thing to use. And I mean, it has to be awesome being a combination of all three because there's no crossing wires. There's nothing to get lost in translation because ultimately you are yeah. the creative team involved. Uh, we are looking at, we are Scarlet Twilight issue four and hardcover collection currently at $12,116 of a $6,000 goal with 301 backers and six days left to go. 
Everyone watching right here is the link to check it out with us. If you're able to back, we would love to see it. But if you're not able to, simply putting this on Facebook and Twitter helps just as much. Word of mouth is 100% free and you have nothing to lose. We have Dennis Winfrey also saying writer, illustrator, and letterer. That's amazing. Yes, you put some work in and it is gorgeous. Ben, how are you feeling right now? You doubled your campaign. You broke 300 supporters. Uh, just killing it right now. I'm feeling great about it. I mean, I really appreciate all the support this series has gotten um, from the first Kickstarter to now. Uh, people have stayed with me through the story. Uh, people were ready to give this a chance. I felt like it was going to be a pretty niche book in that you really had to know a little bit about not just superheroes, but superheroes in, you know, say the 1940s, what old Batman mm -hmm. was like, what the shadow was like, those kinds of things. So uh, the support has been really overwhelming and I, I really appreciate it. And real quick, guys, we'll go over a couple of the tiers here. You can get the PDF version of issue four for five bucks, the PDF version of issue four deluxe extra edition for seven, a print issue at uh, $8. So outstanding price for a physical there. We have the print issue of uh, four variant cover at 10. You can get print issue or edition of issue four deluxe extra for 14. And then all versions of issue four for 28. We have that hardcover coming in at 38 hardcover plus issue four at 44 and then deluxe bundle at 60. So some outstanding prices here as well. Uh, how is it running the campaign on Zoop? I, I heard they uh, do a lot of the footwork for you. So do you feel they like do. the campaign has been going pretty smoothly uh, on that end? Oh, absolutely. I can't say enough great things about working with the team at Zoop. They're uh, the biggest thing I have to say that I, that I think would matter to backers is uh, as of now, the book is done. I think I finished it last weekend. So that was not the case with any other campaign because I'm sitting there planning things out, wondering what shipping is going to cost in four <laughs> months, stuff like that, that you, you know, you waste so much time doing, you have to do, but it's almost kind of, you know, uh, an impossible task in that the longer I plan it out, the more it takes to do the book, the longer the process takes and the less, you know, the more things will change in the interim. So that, that I looked at the delays on three and figured that absolutely had to change. I had been talking with Zoop and just having them do all that that legwork as far as the campaign setup is concerned, uh, you know, just sped up my my production process in the book, like in a huge way. So that's the best thing uh, I would say as far as things that are, you know, have value to anybody looking to read the book and uh, back it. Uh, on another note, just getting the word out, the people at Zoop are comics people. And that's, that's great. Not just in terms of the connections they have and they can get me on, you know, shows like this and stuff like that, but they, they have great suggestions on how to set up the campaign, what types of things to offer, what people have backed in the past, what people, mm -hmm. and the things I would not necessarily know. And at Kickstarter, I mean, I, I've never talked to anyone at Kickstarter. I've tried a few times. They don't, they don't give you any guidance. They don't, you know, I don't have a relationship with anyone at Kickstarter, but people at Zoop will be like, hey, you know, you should try this. Hey, we had great success on this campaign doing this type of thing. Would you be up for that? And that, that comes out of them being comics people who love the you know indie comics world who love the comic format and are really helping you know even the creative parts of the book i think really flourish so can't say enough good things about them it helps when you have a human to talk to too like having a face to correspond with is it's just it's something about that uh real, real quick guys uh, last but not least we have some awesome add-ons too you have one last chance to get an original piece of art as well for 75 uh, do you do all your work traditionally uh, no, actually. So these are, and this is a, a thing that Kai was referring to earlier. Uh, I'm all digital. Um, aside from a few pieces I've done, uh, you know, on pen and ink when my eyes will cooperate with me. But the uh, these are digital prints that we're only going to print up once ever and come mm -hmm. with certificate. And this is something that the team at Zoop said, hey, do you want to 
sell like originals of your digital art, like at 11 by 17. And I thought, do people want that? And they said, yeah, people, people go for that. So, well, yeah, people want it. Absolutely. I'd love to, to offer smart. that. So, uh, and they were right. So I'm, I'm really glad to see that. That'll, it'll be a nice print on good paper, come a certificate. And obviously I'm not going to be selling 20 or more of them, you know, mm -hmm. cons or anything like that. So it is a one of a kind item and, uh, and a nice way to see the art up close. Awesome. So with that you being see said, all my mistakes, if you're looking for them. <laughs> with that being said, it is time for us to begin wrapping things up. So real quick, let me go ahead and switch back over to our main scene. Uh, now with that being said, what's next for you in 2023? Like what else can we expect from you? Uh, any future installments? Uh, not, uh, future installments. The next installment of Captain Lancet's adventures are going to be called We Are Scarlet Twilight Cobalt Crisis. I mentioned earlier, you know, the tone is going to change a little bit. A lot of this series is about really establishing who Captain Lancet is as a you know, person and a hero. And the next ones are going to be a little more plot driven, a little bit more, are these characters going to survive? Uh, I've likened the first one to a few people when I'm talking about it to the first Rocky movie where there is some suspense if he could win the fight, but you really just want to see what he's made of. And he does too. It, that's the suspense of the movie. That's kind of what We Are Scarlet Twilight is about. The next one is going to be more, can he beat the Russian? Uh, not that he's fighting Russians and captain lancet's adventures but it's going to be a combination of a kind of secret wars or we are or, um, crisis on infinite earth type story like a big universe shattering crossover type thing but i'm going to do it in the style of 1940s comics so it's almost like if crisis on infinite earth had happened in 1945 that's awesome like this. So we're gonna have some great guest stars in there that no one has guessed yet but i've laid some groundwork for that i think are really going to surprise people and that's hopefully going to get started late this year. Uh, I'm working on the sequel to my sci-fi book, uh, Character August. That's going to hopefully be out this year as well, or at least started this year. And uh, as far as We Are Scarlet Twilight is concerned, you can get this campaign now. We also have it coming out in shops from Red 5 Comics, the first issues and previews now. So uh, check with your local comic store because they can get you that too starting uh, now. And I think that will be in stores May 24th and once every month after that. Awesome. So Ben, before we let you go, I always love asking for a little bit of advice. And earlier you said something that kind of like struck my interest about how writers should be a little bit more of an artist, like how it will help their writing, their script, uh, a little bit of everything in between. So for anyone who is looking to do that, you know, they're, they're already an established writer and they want to start getting into that. What would you just be some of the basics they should try to approach to kind of help them get into that? I'd say there's a few good ways to go about it. The simplest one would be do not be afraid to draw. You don't have to be good to communicate an idea uh, visually. I always say that to my clients at work and people are always afraid, you know, oh, you're an artist. I'm not as good as you. I'm going to make fun of that. And I'm, this is a form of communication. Drawing is, mm -hmm. it does not need to be correctly proportioned. It does not need to have perfect perspective or sometimes any perspective. But if you're a writer and you were just drawing literal stick figures, even bad ones, you are going to learn a lot about what your artist needs to do to translate your story into visuals. And I'm not talking about creative decision necessarily. I'm just talking logistically. Wait a second. Did this character say this before when he was over there and now he needs to be over here for the scene to work? You're going to have to iron those problems out a little bit yourself and you're going to be in a much stronger position to do that. And I'd say there's also a lot of good tools out there online. You can probably find ways to set up scenes really like blender is free your mm -hmm. characters could be literal boxes that you take screenshots of and, and figure out your panels your angles um and, and again it doesn't need to be a visually appealing thing uh, I, I think of it something like that is just a logistical tool 
uh, is this character, can this character be here, do this, and then do this five panels later? Or what needs to happen for that to occur and make sense and not be jarring? So I think that's something I'd always hope writers would do. I've seen a lot of scripts for storyboards or comics where, you know, one character, the frame will read, uh, the you know, Barry Allen walks into the room. He picks up his coffee, takes a drink, puts down the paper and goes over to the microscope. Panel two, like, wait a second, that's... I guess the Flash could do it that fast. That was a bad name to pick. I always <laughs> joke that that wouldn't work unless the guy was the Flash is, is where it popped into my head. But people will put multiple actions in one frame. Mm -hmm. This forces you not to think that way. Uh, and your storytelling is going to be a lot better for it. Thank you. That is some awesome sound advice. Everyone watching right here is the link to back this awesome campaign today. You only have six days to, to do it, so make sure you get on it before you lose that chance. With that being said, it is time for us to wrap up. I hope you all have a lovely day, but most importantly, guys, keep it geekly.